Hi, this is Gary Washburn, pastor of Grace Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning to our podcast today. Our hope is that this message inspires you and builds your faith. For more information about Grace Tabernacle and our ministries, please go to gracetab.org and like us on Facebook. Now, may the message feed your soul. Well, I've been preaching on the subject of heaven since January 1. Heaven is our home is the title of the series, if it's your first time being with us. Today, we're going to talk about looking forward, looking forward to heaven. And uh, how important this is, uh, I don't see on PowerPoint, guys, the next thing, so keep me abreast with that, please. Uh, We're looking forward to uh, heaven. We're one of the things that I want to bring to your attention about 45 minutes from here is a place called Walt Disney World. Walt Disney built Disneyland in California and Walt Disney World, and he declared it is the happiest place on earth. Because go, people can go and just escape, and people come from all over the world to go where it's about 45 minutes from us to what they think is the happiest place on earth. And it may be for some people, but the good news is the happiest place in the universe is heaven. (laughs) And the Bible teaches us to set our minds on things above, not on things that are on this earth. You set your mind on things on the earth, you can get discouraged, depressed, disappointed uh, with all the brokenness and the things that are not right here. But the Bible tells us in Colossians 3 to set our minds on things above. It was C.S. Lewis who said, if you read history, you find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were those who thought of the next world the most. And it's true how we can get too comfortable here and we can enjoy life here. There's nothing wrong with that by any means, but this world is not to be our home. Now, you have an earthly home which you live in, you can sleep in, and, and, and you have a place of safety. You ought to thank God for that. You're supposed to have a church home, a place that you can belong with the family of God while you're here on earth. But most of all, there's a heavenly home. Amen. That is our home. That's where we're going. That's where God intends for us to, to focus on, that, that this time is temporary, transitory, and this life is just a dot, just a vapor compared to all eternity. People in Bible days, it says they all died in faith. They they stayed in trust. They kept believing God, declaring plainly that they were looking for a homeland. If they'd been thinking of the country which they came, they could have returned. That's not what they were thinking about. But they desired a better country, a heavenly one. For God has prepared a city for them and a city for them us. It's interesting that on the night that Jesus was betrayed and he knew the next day that he was going to the cross, he was going to die, he told his disciples plainly this, the Son of Man, that's a name for Jesus, he must be uh, rejected by the high priest, he must, be, he must suffer, he's going to be killed, he's going to be murdered, he's going to be buried, he's going to die, he's going to be buried, but he's going to be resurrected. And he told them, I'm about to go home. At that moment when he said that, 
If they'd have had their minds and their hearts looking forward to home, they would have rejoiced and got excited. If you love me, Jesus said, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. And the same thing is true here. If we have a loved one and we know they're saved, we know they're born again, when they die, our emotions would be radically different from what they typically are. Yes, we're going to miss them here, but they're in the happiest place in the universe, man. They're with the Father. We're there by faith, but they're there by sight. They're there enjoying all the things that, that we've been hearing about. And if we were not grieving for them, we're actually so much grieving for ourselves because we're focused on our loss. And most of our grief is selfish. We miss them. I understand that. But if they're saved, sorry, but they're not missing you right now. <laughs> they're having the time of their life. The apostle Peter, near the end of his life, he wrote Second Peter. He knew he was about to die. And he wrote these words in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, you ought to live godly lives because you're looking forward. Everybody say looking forward. To the day that God, uh, in the de to, the, to the day and God and speeding is speed's coming forth. We are looking forward. Say looking forward again. Looking forward. To a new heaven and a new earth since you are, come on, looking forward to make every effort to be found blameless and at peace with him. We always should be looking forward. The title of the message today is looking forward. We've got to be looking forward. Yes, we may have troubles now. Yes, we may have issues we've got to deal with now. Yes, we may have some bills that we're struggling to pay and all health issues and all that, but we've got to be looking forward. Amen. Don't get too focused here. Amen. Be looking forward. There was a little boy, I think he was about 10, 11 years old, and his dad died tragically. And every year on the anniversary of his father's death, a little boy got a helium balloon, and he, had, he wrote a note to his dad thinking that the balloon would go to heaven. And he went out in the backyard, and he tied this note to this helium balloon, and he lifted it off, and he was thinking that that note went to heaven. And one day that balloon landed down in a neighbor's yard oh, a few miles away. And the lady happened to know the family and knew the little boy. And she read the note and it said, Dear Dad, I wish you were here with me. I miss you so much. I hope you're happy in heaven. If you are, okay, please tell me. I love you, Jimmy. And a lady who got this balloon that landed in her backyard called the mother and said, Would it be okay if I write your son Jimmy a letter from me? And she said, Sure. And she said, Dear Jimmy, I know you miss your dad, and you are sad that he's not with you. But your dad is in the happiest place in all the universe. Heaven is real. He loves you, and he'll be very proud of you, and one day we'll see you again. Just wanted you to know, your friend, and she signed it to him. And this thing got viral. It went on Facebook, 
And it went all around the world and caused a lot of people to cry and think, wow, wow, look at that. How that touched so many people. People started thinking about heaven. People started thinking about, you know, we're not going to live here forever. There's a heaven and a hell. We're not going to live here forever. We need to be thinking about that. Not long ago when uh, Debbie Reynolds, who was an actress, and her daughter, who was Carrie Fisher, who's also an actress, when they died just a few days apart, one of the fans drew a picture, and the picture looked like this. There's Debbie Reynolds with her raincoat on because she was in the movie Singing in the Rain. And there's Carrie Fisher in her prince, uh, Princess Leia dress, I think it is, because that's what she did. And so a fan sent this picture. Here they are walking together happy again. That's what the title of the picture. And, you know, people start thinking about heaven. People start thinking about there's more to life than just this life. People start thinking about that. I need to get on with my life. If heaven is forever, this is just a little bit of time. I need to get on with what my assignments are that God has for me here. People start thinking about heaven. The older you get, you start thinking about heaven. You ought to. A Pew Research Center did a poll in 2015 about heaven and said 72% of Americans believe in heaven. Fewer than half of the Buddhists, Hindus, and Jews believe. And interesting to me was 37% agnostics and atheists believe in heaven. In fact, uh, Atheism has grown so much that now it's a national holiday. I don't know if you know that. April 1st is National, <laughs> national Atheist Day. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Three people die every second. That's 11,000 people an hour. 250,000 souls, either heaven or hell, every day. We're very fragile. We're one heartbeat away from stepping into eternity. And your fate is sealed depending on what you do here about believing and trusting and receiving Jesus. The Bible teaches us that heaven is to be a priority for us. We're here, but we're only here for a little while. And heaven is our home. This is not our home. This is not home. Heaven is our real home. And because of the pull of the world and temptations and the flesh and the devil and all the stuff that's in this world... The Apostle John said, do not love this world. Don't fall in love with it. You're not here forever. Nor the things of this world. Because if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. If you love this world, then the love of the Father is not in you. For all that's in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, is of the world, and the world and its desires are passing away, 
little children, and I like this last part, he says, it's the last hour. The wisest man who ever lived, the richest, was also the richest man who ever lived. And he wrote in Ecclesiastes, God has put eternity in our hearts. We know there's something more than this temporary, fleshly, worldly life. The priority of heaven. Number two, we need to think about the place of heaven. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place. Go back to the one you were just at, please. The scripture on the PowerPoint. Go back, please. The priority of heaven we were talking about, but I want to talk to you about heaven has three locations. Did you know that? Three locations. Number one, heaven is the atmosphere. The birds fly in the heavens. Isaiah 55 says that God doesn't think like we do. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts as far as the, as far as the heavens are above the earth. He's talking about the earth atmosphere, which is about 300 miles around the earth. But then there is a universe heaven which is space, stars, planets, and beyond our solar system, galaxies. We don't know how many stars. It's just interesting that in all of creation, when Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, he just adds one thing for the millions or billions of stars. Each one has a name. He said, and he made the stars also. <laughs> he just threw it out there. That's the second heaven. But there is a third heaven. And the third heaven is where the Apostle Paul was caught up in a vision, either in an out-of-body experience or in-body experience. He said, I don't know which, what, which one it was. But he actually was caught up to the third heaven and saw the throne room of God. That's the highest heavens. So there are three heavens. The plurality of heaven is there. There is three of them. The highest heaven, where our home is, is, at the, is called the house of God. Psalm 23, we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Number three, not only the priority of heaven, the plurality of heaven, but the place of heaven. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I've gone to prepare a place. And the word place there is the word in the Greek, topos. It means a literal place, the, geogra the geography of the land or, the, or the, the, the topography of the land. And there's a literal place. Heaven is just as real as Chicago or New York or Los Angeles or Leesburg or Wildwood. It's a place. It's not a ghostly experience. It's a place. It's called a country, the vastness of territory. It's called a celestial city. There are buildings and there are streets 
There are people, there's activity going on. It's called a kingdom. There's a government and the way things are supposed to run, their organization. It's called the house of the Lord. It's a home. We're finally going to be home. And when you're there, you're going to feel home. You're going to feel loved. You're going to feel accepted. You're going to feel like you belong here. And everybody there loves you and you love them and everybody knows one another. We need to see and value in looking forward to heaven now because it makes a difference. Our Redeemer is there. You may not know what a Redeemer is, but see that banner over there on the wall? It says Redeemer. These four banners were the first four banners or revelation that we felt like God gave us as Grace Tabernacle that we're to carry and make people aware of. There's a Redeemer. He can take everything that's bad in your life and change it for good. Hallelujah. We have a Redeemer. He can do that. There is a Deliverer. He can deliver you from every kind of bondage, sickness, illness, and disease. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. He is a healer. If your body is sick, if your mind is sick, He is a healer. He can heal anything. Nothing's too difficult for Him. He is your defender, your advocate. He'll stand up for you when everybody in all the earth is pointing their finger at you and accusing you and calling you this and that. He's your defender. But redemption is the act of recovering something that was lost. You lost your soul. You lost your way. You lost your health. You lost your family. It's freedom from guilt or blame for doing something wrong. He redeems you from that. He buys back a slave's freedom. The costly act of purchasing back something that was sold to the enemy. God comes back in with his blood, Jesus, and says, He's mine, she's mine forever. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer. Isaiah 48, 17 says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer. Your Redeemer. I am the Lord your God who teaches you how to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had listened to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness as the waves of the sea. Our Redeemer is in heaven. That's why we ought to be looking forward. Number two, our relationships are there. The older I get, the more my friends go to heaven. I got a lot of friends relatives in heaven the longer you live you should have more there than you have here you should be looking forward you're going to see your friends you're going to see your loved ones that are saved and and you're going to you're going to see them the bible says in hebrews 12 1 i think this is a little snapshot that god gives us he says now we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses now i can't prove this but my opinion is there are times that I think God allows people in heaven who have prayed for their children or prayed for their grandchildren or whatever, loved ones, that when they get saved on earth, it's possibly they get to witness that part from heaven and they rejoice and sing, God is faithful. God is true. He answered my prayer. I wasn't there on earth when it happened, but he answered my prayer. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of people here may be a little nervous about going to heaven. Uh, 
because, you know, you've got this old picture in your mind that, you know, when you get to heaven, uh, you know, you're going to be holding the hand of your, your spouse, maybe. And some of you have been married 10, 15 times, and you're kind of wondering, is there going to be a line waiting for me? I, how's this going to work? No fear. Relax. God's got it all taken care of. You're not going to be embarrassed. <laughs> You're not going to be shamed. You're not going to be blamed. The Sadducees, who didn't even believe in the resurrection, tried to trick Jesus with a question. They said, Jesus, uh, this woman's husband uh, no, this, this woman's husband died, and she married again, and he died, and she married again, and it happened like seven times. So in the resurrection, which they didn't even believe in, Whose husband is she going to be? <laughs> Trying to trick Jesus. And Jesus said this, you guys are idiots. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said, you do greatly err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, people don't marry. Neither are they given in marriage, but they're like the angels in heaven. So in heaven, I hate to burst your bubble, it's not going to be you and you know, your husband and you and your wife, everybody is just like the angels. Will you even remember that you were, had, were married to so-and-so? I don't know. I don't know. So we, ha we have our Redeemer in heaven. That's why we look forward. We have our relationships are in heaven. Number three, we have our resources are in heaven. Right now, we're to draw upon heaven and the supply that God has for us while we're here on the earth supernaturally to have resources so we can accomplish kingdom work now. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 and 11, In Him, Christ, we have obtained inheritance. Now, past tense. We have an inheritance right now. The Holy Spirit living inside us. Giftings and callings and assignments. Amen. Hebrews 9, 15, In Christ, we are to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. That's now. Yes. We're to be partaking of this inheritance. So you get an inheritance when someone dies and they leave something for you that is theirs so you don't have to start where they started. You have an inheritance now. I love this verse of scripture in 2 Peter. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by His divine power. And as a result of this, He's given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price. So that through these, the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with Him in the divine nature right now by which you can escape the corruptions of the world now. You can live supernaturally above the things of the world. You already have it in you. You don't have to ask God for it. He put it in you once you're born again. You've got to learn to draw upon that, that grace. So, our Redeemer's in heaven. Our relationship's in heaven. Number four, our riches are to be laid up in heaven. I talked about this last week, so I won't go into that. Jesus said, don't lay up treasure here on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal. Don't do that, but lay your treasures up in heaven so that when you get there, you've already sent your treasures on ahead. People 
are God's greatest treasures. And last but not least, is it hot in here or is it me? Uh, whoever's controlling the thermostat, when I preach on hell, I'll tell you to do this. Because that'll be a good effect. But when I'm preaching on heaven, we'd like a little cooler. <laughs> I thought I was under conviction or something. I was trying. Okay, God. Last but not least, our reservations are to be made in heaven. You have to make reservations. I want to share with you how important this is. The Bible says that everybody's going to die, and after this comes the judgment. Hebrews 9.27. The Bible says there's lots of books in heaven, not just one, not just a book of life, but there's all kinds of books. And I believe that God has a book that has our life story in it. In his library. And when we get to heaven, he's going to pull out that book. And there's the Gary Wayne Washburn, the date he was born, January 29th, 1957. And at the, at, at the end will be the date that he died and left this earth and is now at the judgment of God. And in between is every word, thought, or deed. he's ever done. Wow. God's a detail God. He's got detail records. So everything, every, every sin I've ever committed in this one book. And when I show up, he hands me the book. So God's going to show me that he's righteous when he judges me. He's not making anything up. He's got a record of everything you or I have ever done. And the Bible says all people are like this. Even people who've lived a good life. They've all sinned. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, all of us are like sheep that have gone astray. Each of us, everybody say that includes me, has turned his own way. We've all turned our own way instead of God's way. And what God did for us can be best described like this. This hand represents me, and I feel the weight of my sin. And the Bible says this is what the Lord did. Lord Jesus came down to be like, like one of us. He became a man just like you and me on the same level. And the Bible says it this way in that same verse, Isaiah 53, 6. But the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He took our sin, all of it. Now, now, where is my sin? Where's it at? It ain't gone. Where's it at? It's on Jesus. 
He laid it on Jesus because God's a just God. Someone innocent had to pay for our crimes. He couldn't just ignore it. Someone had to pay. And an angel couldn't do it. Another human couldn't do it. And verse 12 says, He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's you and me. So when he put it on us, now God looks at us once we've received Jesus and he sees, where's your sin? It's not on me. It's on Jesus. See, You know, the Bible says this, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. No one, no one, no one. Do you believe that? That's what God says. That's what this Bible teaches. There was a woman who was invited to a very, very fancy wedding to, be a, to sing. She was a well-known celebrity, and she went to this fancy wedding, and, and she sang at the wedding, and then they were going to have a very upscale, fancy uh, reception at a, in a penthouse in some fancy buildings in New York City. And her and her husband, after the wedding, after she sang, they went to the reception and got out and came to the entrance of this great big ballroom with all the people. And the maitre d' said, can I have your name? And she gave him her name. And he said, I'm sorry, ma'am. I, I don't see your name here. Your name's not here. You're not getting in. She said, but I sang at the wedding. Don't you know who I am? I sang at the wedding and you know me. He says, sorry, ma'am. It does not matter who you are or what you did. Without your name in the book, you can't enter in. I say this to you in the same way. I don't care who you are or what you've done. If you're a preacher, pastor, Catholic priest, a nun, been baptized a hundred times. I don't care. Without your name in his book, you're not getting into heaven. I'm speaking to some people here today. Your name is not in his book, and you know it. You're living by a thread, one heartbeat away, and your eternity is, is sealed forever. And it isn't God angry at you. God brought you here to save you. He brought you here to respond to him. But whenever you hear an invitation like I'm about to give, you have to respond. What the problem was with that lady was she got the RSVP in the mail, but she got so busy she never responded. Just like some of you, you got so busy with your life. You know you should get right with God. You know you should receive Jesus. You know you should start following. But, you know, you just get busy. You think some other time, one day I will, when I get older. But right now I'm, I'm having this much fun. I'm doing this or I'm doing that. But you don't realize if you fail to respond when God gives you a very clear invitation, you may not get another time. You must respond when he gives you the invitation. 
someone shared the gospel with me, and I thought I was saved because I, I went to church and been baptized several times, but I wasn't saved. And someone shared the gospel with me, and it's a little, it's a bridge to life track, and it looks like something you're going to see on the screen right now. Show that bridge to life track, please. <clears throat> this is what happens at salvation. God is on one side and man's on the other. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.18, he says that Jesus died in our place that he might bring us to God. He made a way for us to go to God. And you get to God by faith in believing what God has said he's done. You're not going to physically see Jesus because it takes faith. You have to trust God. God says this is how you get saved. The Bible says it very clearly. It says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that is, he's alive right now, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, your Savior. That's who you're trusting in, not your religion, not your upbringing, not how good you are, not your morals. Not comparing yourself with anybody else, but you trust in him alone. That cross. He said, you'll be saved. By faith. Believing what God says, not what people say, not what you come up with. And I'm speaking to people right now. Somebody today needs to respond to God's invitation. And you can thumb your nose at God and say, I don't believe all that stuff and I don't care. And you can walk right out this door. But one day, if you don't receive Jesus between now and the time you die, you'll stand before him one day. And I think God will play back this day to you, this record, and show you. He put a pastor in front of you pleading for you to respond to God's invitation to be saved. And you said, I ain't got time for that. And my hands will be clean. The other day, we were fishing at a pier. And uh, a man... Uh, was there and I had a gospel track with me that peace, how to have peace with God and I just felt like I was supposed to give it to him so I went over to him and, and I said I want to give you something that has radically changed my life for the better uh, years ago and normally when I give a gospel track to somebody they're kind and they'll say oh thank you and they put it in their pocket and probably throw it away who knows but he, he started thumbing through it. And he's looking at it. And he said, thank you. And he walked away. And somehow in my heart, I knew the Spirit of God had already been dealing with that man. And it was not a coincidence. All I had was just a desire to give him a gospel track, and, and that was it. But he took it. Because God had been preparing his heart. I don't know what he's going through, but I just knew in my heart that he's going to read that. God's, going to talk, God's talking to him through me. And the same thing is true right now. Just, as, as, just the same way I sensed that yesterday, other day, I sense it now with you. There's some people here. God is dealing with you. He brought you here to respond to him. This may be your last chance. Preacher, you trying to scare us? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you need to respond seriously and receive the Lord. Would you stand up to you on your feet and intercessors and altar workers come up here and be with me.
and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you can make your reservation right now for heaven. And you do so by RSVP. Simple prayer. Receive Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you pray this prayer from your heart. Believe it. And you pray it to God. At least say it out loud enough. I don't want everybody saying it. If you've already prayed and you're already saved, don't say it. But if you haven't, I want you to at least say it loud enough where you can hear yourself say it. Know that you're, you're serious. And you can receive Jesus right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do that. This is my assignment from God is to help you right now. If you're the only one, that's all that matters. God loves you that much. He would do this. All right, ready? I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to lead you to pray. Father, I thank you for this moment, and I pray that right now you'll help the ones who you brought here today to finally say yes to you and surrender and receive you. Now, your part. Do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, that he's alive right now, yes or no? If you've already done this, you don't have to answer it. But if you have it, I want you to answer it. Okay. All right, that's step one. Now, the second part is with your mouth. Bible says with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Confess means I agree with God. Say this prayer out loud to God and mean it from your heart. Dear God, I do believe in you. And the best way I know how, I see that I am a sinner condemned to hell without your salvation I ask you be my savior be my redeemer I believe you died on the cross and took paid for all my sin and right now I ask you to come inside my heart take the throne be my Lord my God, my Savior, my Redeemer, forever, right now, right now. Thank you, Lord. See, there had to be a moment where you were born physically. It's on your birth certificate. There also has to be a moment when you're born spiritually. For somebody that just happened, the lights turned on. God came inside. We celebrate that. Just like when a baby's born. Woo, we usually cry. <laughs> You're a spiritual baby. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something that's difficult, but it's worth it. You'll never regret it. You just prayed that prayer. Maybe you're just visiting today. I don't care. God brought you here. You just prayed that prayer. Step out. Come up here and just stand with me. You don't have to say a thing. Because what you're doing, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I confess you before the Father. You deny me that opportunity before men, I'll deny you. So I want to just come on up here and stand with me. You don't have to say a thing. I'll just rejoice with you. Come on. Come on. 15 seconds. Come on. Come on up. Hey, Bob. This is my friend Bob. Amen. 
Praise God. Nailed it. Amen. There might be somebody else, Bob. Thanks for leading the way. Always take somebody to start. Somebody else? Come on. Come on down. Don't be shy. We're glad to have you. This is something to celebrate. Look at that beautiful family. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. How are you? What's your name? D'Angelo. D'Angelo. Good to have you. What a beautiful family. Hi, honey. How are you? Hi. Good to have you. That didn't hurt a bit, did it? Well, we're glad. Might be some others here today. But you know what you've just done? You have done publicly what the Lord said to do. You stood up in front of a billion people on the internet. <laughs> and holy boldness. You don't do that if you don't mean it. You showed the truth, you mean it. And God accepted you. You're His forever. Praise God. And we're going to be in heaven together. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. It's just the beginning. Now we've got to grow. I'd encourage you to be baptized. Sign up for baptism. When we do baptism once a month, we'll talk to you about that. Sign up, and I'll call you, and we'll talk about it. But today, church, you pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. How beautiful. How beautiful. And there might be others here today who have other issues that we need to pray about, and we want to respect that. And if you've been shy for whatever reason, and I didn't maybe call out something, you need healing in your body, you need freedom from demonic oppression, whatever it is, if you'll just sit down in your seat when everybody leaves, intercessors are going to come out and they'll look for you, and they'll come over and they'll pray with you, okay? So if you need prayer, just sit back down and relax, and God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. We're talking about God's math, number eight. Thanks for being here. May the Lord bless you, keep you. Make his face shine upon you and give you his sweet shalom peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here, everybody.